you know, I'm a big believer and I've been this way from my first memory as a child. I was the one that always asked why. Not only why, but then why not? Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. That is the voice of Kevin Warren. He is the former Big Ten commissioner, now new president and CEO of the Chicago Bears, hired yesterday. And we are delighted to welcome in a great friend of the program, a great local guy made good. He's Howard Griffith, and he's working at the Big Ten Network. And he joins us on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Howard, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you all doing? Doing well. We are living the dream. And um, I got to tell you, it, it, it just seems like a perfect hire for the Chicago Bears. And I, I don't know how many times I've uttered those words. It just seems like they hit one out of the park and you feel good about it. Yeah, you, you guys have been covering the Bears for, for a long time and know the inner workings of it. And to be able to hire uh, someone like Kevin Warren with the experience and the background that he, he's going to be able to bring the Chicago Bears organization, I think the Bears are, are really in a great position and, and on the upswing. They've got a lot of things on the horizon, right? I mean, they've got to build this team. Uh, they've got the stadium, whether or not they're going to be moving. And these are things that he's been a part of. He's been a part of bringing in uh, an, an unbelievable stadium, building an unbelievable stadium in Minnesota, uh, and really having that team really rolling uh, as far as the business aspect of it is. And I think Bears fans need to understand that they're in a great position right now. I know things aren't working as well as they would like them to on the field, but I think all of that is going to change real, real quick. Howard, you have been able to cover every facet of Kevin Warren's tenure as the Big Ten commissioner, and it hasn't all been smooth. There was controversy early with the cancellation of football in 2020. He reinstated it. There have been controversies along the way, so much to the point where there is this suggestion that there are some people in, in big on Big Ten campuses, university presidents or athletic directors, that might not be so unhappy that Kevin Warren is leaving. So how would you describe in that context – uh, yeah, we're happy about the Bears making the right move because of his credentials, but how do people in the Big Ten feel about him leaving after three years? I think at the end of the day, right, I think you're always going to have some people that weren't excited about what was going on, whether, you know, that's basketball coaches, football coaches, uh, other sports that may have been concerned about, you know, scheduling and how things were being run. I think you're always will have detractors. I think one of the things, this is a much different job than when Jim Delaney took over. And he, and I think most people will tell you, he was, did an unbelievable job, really set the Big Ten on the course that it is right now. But he really had a lot of, a lot of say and a lot of sway because he was bringing in so much money that was going on, and they really believed him. And he was a long-tenured guy that had been in that position. Kevin Warren walked into a position and all of a sudden was hit with a pandemic. And it obviously came up with a very unpopular decision uh, as far as canceling, you know, athletics in the Big Ten. So I know that there were people and coaches that were, were not happy at all about that. He was receiving calls from then president that was not happy about that. Uh, so, yeah, there were detractors that were out there. But I'll, I'll tell you this. I believe um, he always put the student athlete first. And one of the challenges, I think, in this job right now is that it's – I think it's, it, it's a tough job because every day there is a new problem 
when you're putting the student athletes first, right? Because there, there's so many things that are going on on each campus. He wanted to be a part of each campus. He really empowered a lot of the young people on each campus to be able to step in and, and make a lot of decisions. So there was a lot of change that was happening from what uh, I think some presidents and chancellors were accustomed to with the person that was in place before. But he, he brought USC and UCLA to the conference. He uh, helped negotiate an unbelievable TV package. Uh, so those two things, to me, were huge and really significant for what he was able to do. The conference, in my opinion, is in a better place. It's just in a much different place. And really, moving forward, guys, there's going to be a lot of other hurdles that are coming down the pipe that the next um, commissioner is going to have to deal with. And it's not going to be popular decisions whether it's four schools are against them. Yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you, we talked about, you know, why you would want to leave that job. And, <laughs> I mean, the reality is one of the reasons is the number of institutions you have to deal with, the, the aforementioned presidents, chancellors. There's uh-huh. just so many different – in terms of quality of life, going to the Chicago Bears and, and yeah. being the CEO and running that company, especially – when we view it as kind of a sleeping giant where you can have success without having to do a ton of heavy lifting. And I don't mean that negatively. I I mean, that's a great possibility for him. I I just think that I understand why he would want that job and why it would be considered. Plus the guy has been in the NFL, you know, obviously Howard, you've been in the NFL. You were in the NFL for 11 years. You know how these things work and how, it just it's a significantly easier job in my opinion than dealing with all the different personalities that uh, he'd have to deal with as a commissioner you mean the 16 bosses that he has <laughs> not really enough to work with 16 bosses right yeah. it's hard enough to work for the one uh, so i, I think i am i'm glad you brought up quality of life um, because he is he is as family oriented as he gets his daughter's finished up her collegiate career. I think Powers may have another year at Michigan State if he has not finished up already. So I think the quality of life was a big part of it because it's difficult. And the way he attacked it, he was on a campus every weekend. And it just wasn't football and basketball. He was on a campus with administrators, with student-athletes. He was always involved. And, and I'm sure that at some level – that takes a toll, you know, on the family life and the quality of life. And, and you, you mentioned it. You talk about taking over as, as the president and CEO of the Chicago Bears, and you mentioned it as a sleeping giant. I, I think, and you guys know this, this is obviously one of the most historic franchises in all of sports. And you start talking about the possibilities of that franchise actually owning its own stadium probably puts it into a category of maybe the one, two, three, at least in the top four most uh, valued franchises in all the professional sports in the world. So you look at some of those things to be able to put a, put a franchise in that stratosphere is huge. And it, it's a challenge, but it's something that he is quite familiar with because he was able to do it. Uh, at, at a level at, at Minnesota. And now you talk about taking over Chicago Bears with the fan base is unbelievable. I know nobody wants to talk about whether they're in Chicago or in Arlington Heights or wherever it is, but I think the reality is this franchise and the ownership 
it would it wouldn't be fair, I think, if they didn't uh, try to explore how to make this franchise as valuable as possible. And I believe that if you don't own your own stadium, if you don't have a new stadium, you're not going to be in that conversation. So, Howard, the, you, the word you, you hear a lot used with Kevin Warren is he has a presence. He walks into a building in, or a room and you know that he's there. Gravitas, that kind of uh, description. And then other people will describe it as in, it can be intimidating. You Knowing him as you do, I'm not sure the extent to which you have, have a relationship yeah. with Kevin Warren, but mm-hmm. when he's introduced Tuesday at noon at Hallis Hall and we start to get to know the person, not just the executive, with all of these great credentials. Yeah. What kind of guy is he? Mm-hmm. I think he's a great guy, down to earth. In a lot of ways, uh, I could throw the word humble out there, and that wouldn't be, you know, people wouldn't say, well, what do you mean? And, and I say that and with all the credentials that he has. But trust me, when he's talking to you and you're having a one-on-one conversation, he's one of those people that have the ability to make you believe that you're the most important person in the room because he's making eye contact with you. He's not looking over his shoulder to see what the next conversation is about. He's going to ask you about your family. He's going to know your family's name. He's going to know uh, a lot of things about you. So there's going to be a conversation. There's going to be a back and forth as you get to know him. And, and that, to me, is one of, uh, of one of the things and qualities that, that, that makes him a special individual because he's able to, to really uh, dive into to who he's talking to with. He really wants to genuinely have a relationship with the people that he has to work with on a daily basis. So, you know, I, I think people are really going to be impressed um, with who he is as a person, as an individual. I think you, people aren't always going to be excited and happy about some of the decisions that he makes but you're going to have a clear understanding to why those decisions were made, whether you like them or not. It's going to be clear. Now, are there things that could have been done differently? I think as the pandemic has happened, whether it's media relations, some of that stuff, yeah, but that happens in some of these jobs, right? It, it happens. But I think as you get to know Kevin Warren as the person, the family man, uh, former athlete, uh, he, the trailblazer, he is going to – he is going to put uh, people in positions to be successful. And, and I think that's one of the, the, the special parts about him. He's, he's going to recognize what your talents are, and he's going to utilize your, your talents to the best of his ability. Yeah, I, you know, I think that it, when I hear I, – and I made a lot of calls yesterday, Howard, and talked to a lot of people uh, that yeah. I've known over the years. And when I, when I heard any uh, pushback – it was more, you know, it was more kind of the petty jealousy type. The more, mm-hmm. you know, people, it is good to have people, to have not everyone love you or appreciate you. Mm-hmm. That's a good, that means you're living your life and you're doing what yeah. you believe to be right. And some people might, and some people might not. But there was a begrudging respect that I heard from everyone I talked to. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that happened, listen, this is the, the tenure started off, it, it was it was it was hard, right? It's no question. Right. It was hard. Coaches wanted to play, players wanted to play, uh, parents wanted their children to play. But when you're sitting in that corner office, there are a lot of very unpopular decisions that you have to make, or decisions that you have to make, which could be popular or could be unpopular. But you have to know and believe that the team that you have that are giving you the information 
and the information that you're able to, to go through is going to put young people, in this case when he's working at the Big Ten Conference, in the best position they possibly could be in. And I truly believe that that's really what he ultimately did. Uh, it really wasn't about money. It really wasn't about, you know, one particular uh, institution getting an advantage over the other. It really was him trying to do what was best for everyone. And as you guys just mentioned, it's, that's hard to do. But when you're doing your job, you're always going to have some people that are going to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. But I think in the masses, when we look back and look at his tenure, and really I think once he decides – this will be a while, but once he decides to write his memoirs, I, I think they will be fascinating to read just the amount of, you know, jealousy, pettiness that, that went on amongst hmm. some people, you know, some institutions in the conference. So it, you know, it's one of those things. But again, I, I think if he moves forward, uh, the Bears are going to be in, in a great position uh, to really have someone that, that really is going to put the Bears organization and franchise in the best position they can be in uh, as far as profitability is concerned, as far as play on the field is concerned. I think he'll have a hand in it all because he's a football guy. He understands the business of the National Football League. Howard, you won two Super Bowl championships with the Denver Broncos. You understand – what and can recognize a first-class organization and how it starts from the top down. How can you help us understand the relationship or the link between having a strong executive at the top of the hierarchy and how that might or might not affect what you see on Sundays? I think if you don't have – to me, and I, and I use Bill Polian in this example. Um, Bill Polian knew exactly what he wanted in a head coach. He knew exactly what he wanted in his players – but he also allowed, you know, the people, the, the assistant general manager and the coaches to go coach. And he was given that freedom by ownership. And, and I think about Mr. Boland uh, in Denver, who really never got involved in a lot of the day-to-day stuff that was going on uh, with the organization. But he trusted that they were going to hire the best coach and the best general manager. You have to hire the, the best people. You can't hire uh, guys that, that, that are unproven necessarily. They, they don't know what they're doing. The, the message has to be sent from the top. And I use this, I use this example when I, when I go into to college uh, facilities right now. I can tell you in a heartbeat what type of, uh, what type of organization and what type of building I'm walking into and what management is like. I just need to go to the bathroom. If I go to a, a facility and the bathroom is dirty, I can pretty much tell you that there are going to be issues throughout that building. Because to me, if the locker room and the bathrooms are not pristine, to me, the people that are managing those areas don't have necessarily a championship uh, thought process. Because to me, champions... Champions at, at every level, they're, they're, no matter what your job is, you want to maximize and do it to the best of your ability. And to me, when you walk in the facilities and they're shabby, not, not the building because it's an old building. Because it can be an old building and still be in pristine shape, right, the way it's maintained and taken care of. But everybody has to be able 
to, to carry their weight, their weight and understand that what they're doing here is important, whether it's, whether it's uh, the janitor, whether it's the equipment people, whether it's the people in the mailroom. When I walked through that building in Denver, one of the things that I've always remembered was the pride that everyone had. And to me, that starts at the top. That's the only way you can set that type of a tempo. And you look at organizations, the best-run organizations, it starts at the top. It starts with ownership, setting the tempo and setting the pace to what it takes to be a champion. And listen, it's hard to do, but when you take care of the little things uh, around your building and, and your players and and your fan base, you take care of those people, that tells you all you need to know about the type of franchise uh, that you're rooting for or working for. That's that's very interesting. I You know, I've always found when I've come across successful organizations, there's usually one person that is sort of the standard set. Was it was it Mike Shanahan for you guys winning Super Bowls? Who who was it? Mr. Bolin? Who was it? It was Pat Bolin, okay. without a doubt. He he set the tempo, right? So Pat Bolin hired the people that would do what he wanted done, was to make sure you put the best product on the field. So Mike Shanahan was a huge part of that. So that's what I mean when it starts at the top. Everyone knows that there's a responsibility, that everybody's given a championship effort, and, and that's what it has to be. And I know for sometimes that, that's hard to see, but I think if people look at their own organizations or where they work or how they run an organization, if, if there's someone that, yeah, you might not get along with, but you know that they're, doing the, they're maximizing the job, they're doing a great job, they just have to make tough decisions sometimes, and we as say employees may not like that all the time, but they're making the best decision for the organization and, and, and for the company. I think you have a great deal of respect for that, and you want to go out and perform. And you people want to be put in position uh, that they know what they're doing on a day-to-day basis is value, no matter what it is. If I know that I am bringing value to an organization and I know that, I don't have to think about it. I'm not guessing whether or not I'm important or not. When I know that, I'm going to maximize everything. I'm going to do everything I can to do my job at the best of my ability. And that's how, to me, championship organizations, championship companies, companies that you know are very successful, people that are very successful, put those type of people in place. That everyone in that organization realizes that they bring great value uh, to the program. That's great stuff, Howard. Before we let you go, congratulations on your son, Houston. Setting a school record at Notre Dame for games played. 62 games. That's amazing. Yeah. You have to be proud of that, and, and it, that's just tremendous. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. I, I'm, what really excited me about the whole thing, and today we talked a little bit about this as we were going through the process, but you know, the fact that he graduated in May of 2021, to me, it was really about getting a degree from Notre Dame. And now he's decided that he's going to get into coaching. That's a whole other discussion, but it's going to be fun. He's passionate about it, so he's waiting for that opportunity to come up now. But, you know, it was a fun journey. He really enjoyed his opportunities and his times at Notre Dame. It wasn't always perfect, but I, I think, as Notre Dame people will tell you, it's a great place to be from, not necessarily a great place to be at at the time. It <laughs> That's great. Well put. All right. Howard, thank you, buddy. Great catching up with you. Thanks, Howard. All right, fellas. Have a great new year. That is Howard Griffith. That's fantastic. Great guy. Yeah, he's really yeah. wonderful.
Chicago guy made good. I yes. believe Julian High, if I'm not mistaken. You're right. Southside guy. You know those guys. That's right. They good people. Those Southsiders. They're all right. They can maybe amount to something. They, Every once in a while. You Quigley guys. How about that? We got a caller. About Quigley South. About the Quigley, late lamented. Quigley South, yeah. but It's now St. Rita's Southside pronunciation. I thought that was a nice moment for yeah, you. Yeah, it was great. I loved, I loved my time at Quigley. Great place to be from. And the fact that it's defunct, it's almost like having, you know, an old girlfriend become a nun. So <laughs> happy, happy turn of events for me. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. Thank God it's Friday. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Thank God it's Friday. I mean, it, it's been a great week, and I'm really looking forward to a great weekend, too. There's a lot of football, and we'll be talking it up, and we've got the introductory news conference on Tuesday morning, and that leads us into all the, uh, the other speculation. It's going to be a fun week. Big week. Yeah, this has been... Uh, from a Bears perspective, pretty newsy week with the uh, end of the season news conference by Ryan Poles upstage by their announcement after that yesterday of hiring Kevin Warren. And then the season ended last Sunday, so there's been a lot of Bears conversation. I, I think that when you talk about the Cubs convention, Tom Rick is coming on our show at 8 o'clock and declaring the Cubs are thinking playoffs this year and willing to add – during the season hmm. is no small thing, Mully, because as we have pointed out, we know what the last two seasons have felt like, have looked like, and going into those years, the expectations weren't where Tom Ricketts established them today. So that's good news. That's a good sign. And sure, who doesn't love the NFL playoffs? And they begin tomorrow with the super wild card weekend. So you don't want to miss out on those because when the Vikings blow out the Giants and confirm my prediction and they make you wrong, then we're all going to be celebrating. That is um, that's kind of extraordinary. You have a lot more faith in the Vikings than I do. I think you're, you just in your mind, you see uh, Justin Jefferson hauling in 200. Yeah. And I see the Giants running all over them and holding the ball forever. Um, Could but, happen. But it's it's interesting. Could happen. It's what's interesting is, you know, I I thought like, wow, am I underestimating the Vikings? And then Joe Fortenbaugh came on and said that he's taking. It gave me pause. Not gonna lie. And and I was dancing and feeling good. And now you come back and you called for a blowout. I did. I did. I get a little carried away sometimes. Well, I think it's because you saw the Vikings um, enjoy the bye week before they start (laughs) the playoffs. They did. That is a shot at the Bears, who didn't really feel the competitive team in that game. Nathan Peterman deserves more respect than that. My guy, yeah, Nathan Peterman, Dustin's guy. I said to Dustin during the break, "How could you? How dare you come out and say that I was a big Nathan Peterman fan?" And he said, "No, you just said that uh, you worried that uh, Stetson uh, uh, Stetson Bennett Bennett was too short to be an NFL quarterback." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, I what I said was that he was like Kyler Murray is a great NFL quarter, a good enough NFL quarterback." And he's not the biggest man in the world, but he's got something special. I didn't see the special to Stetson Bennett, and and he was undersized. And Dustin, who has told me before that if he were my size, he'd have played in the NFL. He mm-hmm. said that to me. 
And it, basically, he's saying I've done nothing with my my uh, genetic gift. Is that the way you took that? I, what yeah. else could it mean? I know. Well, okay. But but at you, any you rate, guys can well, sort speaking that out. of that's what oh, you heard. Here we go. Here yeah. he jumps in. Yeah, but you, I never said a word about Nathan Peterman, nor that's okay. have I ever I, I should never brought proposed him up. that that's he okay. should I, be I, the starting I, I now regret breaking him up. Speaking of Stetson Bennett and his height, though, I did read oh, that well. NFL scouts said that if he was six foot two, he would be at the top of this draft class. Yeah, he's not. Okay. But I'm just be. saying, ju- just think did, about that, though. He's going to go from late round to the overall number one pick if he was three inches different in height. Hmm. That's interesting. Yep. I, I don't know that I, I understand that logic because of some quarterbacks who have succeeded mm-hmm. who have been somewhat smallish in stature. You mentioned Kyler Murray. I can think of Russell Wilson. Certainly not the year to to look at his career, but he has had a very good one. Drew Brees comes to mind. There are examples of undersized quarterbacks that can have success. Uh, but, yeah, that's it's fun. It's a fun little back and forth. Which quarterback do you think will surprise us the most this weekend? Which guy oh. do you think is, okay, we'll be talking about Monday morning or Tuesday morning or going into next week as the one who was like, well, didn't see that one coming? Yeah, I mean, that's a very difficult question. Um, I would say I don't think it's the it, the opening game. I don't know. I mean, I, see, I, I think I, Herbert, maybe. Maybe Herbert. I, I, maybe. No one in Miami is going to surprise us. Buffalo's not going to surprise us. Daniel Jones will run a little bit. You, you think it's going to be Minnesota? No, I don't. You're no, convinced. Not surprising. I think, I, think this is Brock, no. I think this is Brock Purdy's weekend. Really? Yes. I think I'm that worried we're going to. I think we're coming back here next week, and the, the narrative will be can you believe what this kid has done. Can you believe where he has, whether it's because of Christian McCaffrey or because of Kyle Shanahan, he never gets the credit, and I think he deserves it. This guy's played in six games, and you look at his touchdown-to-interception ratio, it is required poise and precision that I think we have now taken for granted because he's in this great offense on this terrific team. Yes, he is, but I think think he'll show you against the, the Seahawks he is. He's gonna. He's well, going I, places. Yeah, I. I think. I think when I look at them play and I've watched them a little bit, you know, I like that team. Um, I see long handoffs that are disguised as passes. That's what I see. I. I think he's done a good job with those long handoffs disguised as passes, but it's really more of a long handoff offense, and they got some good weapons to. Except those well, we know, though, yeah. that these long handoffs aren't always things that you can assume are going to be successfully completed. He, he's not I – mean, I'm, I'm not, not dissing him. I, I don't want to overstate his, his – He's not picking teams value. apart. He's in an offense where effectively they use these long handoffs that are called passes. He's managing games. Thank and, you. And he's managing games successfully, and he's to the point where in the playoffs you can't assume – all of these things to be true. It's not the same as the regular season. We know that. And this is a seventh-round draft pick, the last person taken, the last player selected. Now, I just think he's going to be the surprise quarterback of the weekend. He's going to be the guy. Yeah, I, that's. I, I mean, it's going to rain heavily, and they're going to win the game with their defense and their running game. But, okay, I'll go with you. That's what you want. It's okay. I'm not. That's what you want. I, I don't say. care if you go with me or I not. Think, I'm just telling I think, you what I, I think. think. Um, you're, you're entitled to ignore me I as think, much as you want. Oh, I'm, it's. But I mean, I think it's not a fair 
question because I don't – I think he's the – I guess who's going to surprise mm-hmm. is what you're saying. And I guess, you know, Joe Burrow's not going to be a surprise. Um, you know, it, Herbert or or Trevor Lawrence wouldn't be a surprise. Oh, Trevor Lawrence might um, be. Josh Allen wouldn't be a surprise. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's – would Tom Brady be a surprise if he's if, bad? If he wins, if he's bad, if they beat Dallas, that won't be a surprise. If he's bad, it will be. People expect that uh, Tampa Bay, the, the, the Tampa Jack- Bay Buccaneers, are going to show up in the postseason, okay. and he's going to be the guy who's thirty-five again. He might be. Would Would Dak Prescott be a surprise? If he's the reason for them losing, that would be a surprise. Okay. The quarterbacks are going to dominate the storyline. You know how it works. Of course, it is the playoffs. I just wonder which – Daniel Jones, he's he's making his first playoff start, correct? What are you going yes, to yes. get from Daniel Jones? Is he going to struggle as a passer? He's going to get it done as a runner. Yes. He's a guy that beats you with his legs. That's what they're going to try to do. They're going to hand the ball off, and he's going to run a little bit. That's how that's their game plan. And they'll try to keep the ball away from Minnesota and keep the the offense off the field, they, and they'll, they'll – you know. They may score too quickly. Against that defense. Yeah, that's a bad defense. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, I agree. The, the Viking defense is their biggest liability and their biggest concern going into the playoffs. I think Cincinnati's an interesting team going into these playoffs. I just wonder if it is if it's remotely possible to go on the road and beat Buffalo and go on the road then and beat Kansas City. I just think that's going to be an awful big task for them. But I think they, they really – they're good, and Joe Burrow is seriously good. They're coming in hot. They're the hottest they team, are the hottest in, team. In, in the field, yep. and yep. they have that that confidence and swagger, if you will. The Bengals have a swagger. Joe yes. Burrow, I loved his answer, too, by the way. We talk all the time about mm-hmm. championship windows and opportunities to seize the moment and all of these things, and he was asked the other day about, well, wh- how big is your championship window here in the Bengals? He's like, well, as, as long as my career is. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> he's very, right. Yeah, he's true. It's true. Um, I I think I'm very interested in Brock Purdy. I'm very interested, David, because I I think it's um, I think he has stabilized their offense, but it, their offense is stabilized around him. My question is, if he needs to make a play, can he do that? Mm-hmm. If you get to a point where you know. You're trailing, and the quarterback has to win the game. Is he the guy to do that? That's their problem. That's a difficult question to answer because he hasn't done it before, mm-hmm. so you're always going to wonder. I do like my chances for a quarterback to go out and, quote, win the game when he's throwing to George Kittle on third and 10 or and when he's handing – Well, it's long handoff or Debo, not. You, you know, you, you know how it works. If they're sitting at the 17-yard line and they've got a minute 47 and they need to drive down to get a touchdown and he completes five straight 10-yard passes and the ball travels no more than eight yards in the air and they move down the field and the, the yak is back with yep. the 49er offense, Yes, Brock Purdy's going to get all the credit because you know why? He didn't, he didn't turn the ball over. Right. That's what he's done very well. He's made good decisions. Yeah, he has. And those things can't be taken for granted at this level, at this stage of the season. So that's why, yeah, you're right. He is he is the king of the extended handoff in that offense. But no, they're going to be laughing if, if he doesn't make a mistake. Well, 
I mean, they are favored by nine and a half points. Yep. They have beaten Seattle a couple of times. They're the better team, and they're at home. So he should be able to survive that. I, 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 have we decided if anyone's coming back for them? Is that it? Is it going to be Brock Purdy or Bust the rest of the way? Well, Jimmy Garoppolo still is being reported or rumored. I'd have to check, but there's yeah. still a thought that he could come back. Oh, so th- this would be this would be a, a great storyline in San Francisco if they're getting ready for the NFC Championship game. Jimmy Garoppolo can maybe get back to practice, and Brock Purdy has yet to be beaten. What do you do then, Kyle Shanahan? See, that's the kind of thing you'd look forward to learning. I wouldn't make a change. I, I, with due respect, and I, I love Jimmy G. I really do. Uh, well, you were the guy, though, as I recall, that you wanted Tom Brady um, benched <laughs> for. Uh... I am Mr. Gr- I am Mr. Jimmy G. I'm Micah's biggest fan because you know I still remember the Eastern <laughs> Illinois version of Jimmy G. And boy, that was a special uh, column I wrote all those l- many years ago. Yeah, you're kind of locked into that. I'm opinion. locked into that. Yeah, I, like I, I, I love Jimmy G. I can't I can't I can't deny that. But so does Dustin. It's a local. You talk about a local guy made good, but Mully, if you're if you're coaching that team and they, they you have a quarterback that is yet to be beaten uh, one victory away from the Super Bowl, you don't make a change, do you? Um, the great, great dilemma to have. Yeah. If you're a 49er guy. I don't know. I know you're Mr. Mr. Kyle Shannon. Hey, do not make fun of my uh, infatuation with Jimmy Garoppolo without mentioning or acknowledging yours with Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan is a good coach. Um, I, I, Stud. I said, well, see, this is what it all goes back to. I said, oh, he's ah. a good coach. <laughs> and Dustin said, oh, they're no good. Blah, blah. And I he, he talked about Atlanta <laughs> losing the Super Bowl, whatever. And I said, that guy's a stud. <laughs> and, and since I said that, Dustin somehow, he's, <laughs> he has taunted me about that for how many years? Many. And honestly, is that guy a good coach or not? He is a very good coach. Okay. We all have our man crushes. It's okay. It's not a man crush to when call, call a guy a stud. When you call another man a stud, it's a man crush. It means he's, like, really good at what he does, and you'd, you'd like to tap into that. He is the he is the coach. Not like that, you idiot. He is Look the coach. He is the coach that in Hope the N- NFC I would have the most trust in in this postseason. He's a good coach, yes, he's a good coach, and he's now an experienced coach, and he's he's no longer Mike's kid. He's his own man. Stud. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. The line of the week. Who was, it? No, that who was it? Who was it? That, that was we, awesome. But who said? Who who called someone a stud recently? And I kept saying, "Keep playing that." Remember that? that I was, forget. Yeah. Anyway, it's an industry term. Means he's just really good. Really good. Okay. And and, and yeah, you gotta you know tap into that. Help. What? What? We Dan and Lawrence next. Yeah, right? yeah, I guess we're I'm getting back out in seventh of this grade. One. Good God. All right. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. He's a stud.